You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe podcast, a podcast for leaders of thriving boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community focused entirely on the unique needs of ProServe firms. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and I'll be your host today. And in this episode, we're going to talk about AI, artificial intelligence, and its impact in particular around B2B sales and marketing and overall revenue generation. And we have a fantastic role model today, and his name is Jeff Pedowitz, and he's fantastic for a reason, and or many reasons, I should say. <laughs> but the one that is relevant to today's topic is, the last time we had a major tech wave was the SaaS wave. And Jeff was a pioneer in that space. He, in a very small number of people, I believe, can claim attribution for the mass adoption of marketing automation. And and having gone through that entire journey, all the way from a nascent industry to maturity, which it is today, his perspective is profound. And I think he can take those lessons and apply them to AI because it's early, early days there. And he, maybe more than most, can probably share with us where this might be headed. And what we hope to accomplish today is by listening to that story and applying past lessons to new tech Maybe we can get ahead of the curve, learn a, learn a few things, and maybe profit from them. So, uh, Jeff, it's great to see you. Would you mind introducing yourself and your firm to the broader audience, please? Sure thing. Greg, good to see you again, too, and thank you for having me back. So, I own the Pedowitz Group. Uh, we are a sales and marketing consulting company. We work with sales and marketing leaders who want to drive more revenue, and we specialize in digital channels. And uh, of course, AI is uh, probably the best emerging digital channel we've seen in quite some time. Yeah. And I understand that you just did a bunch of homework on a new book that you got coming out in just a couple of weeks. What's the title of the book? It's called The AI Revenue Architect, How to Build a Time Machine. Great. So why don't you kind of give us the outline of what's in the book, and maybe we can use that as a framework for our talk today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So... Well, my job, my company's job is to follow technology because that's what our customers want us to do is is implement technology so they can scale their sales and marketing engine. So AI and various components of AI have been around for several years now. It's just this whole emergence now of generative AI and and what the open AI platform are doing are bringing it into the mainstream and really starting to help a lot more people visualize the tremendous possibilities. As I started to think about this, and the problems that my company and I have been solving for the last 16 years, there's still systems are still siloed. There's data that's everywhere and people spend more and more and more on technology and data, but they still can't run sales and marketing any more effectively than they could 15 years ago. They just have a lot more tech now to deal with it. So as I started thinking about the potential of AI, the first thing I wanted to do was really just help companies solve the problems better. Um, And so the book, introduces a concept called RAIN. Uh, and that, that name was chosen intentionally because in sales, of course, we're always trying to make mm-hmm. it RAIN. Uh, but in this case, I, I took that and it really stands for Revenue Artificial Intelligence Network. Mm. And what it does is it connects 
all your systems and processes, both inside your enterprise and outside through AI. So you can actually, through one single interface, actually start to direct and manage your revenue engine so it can truly scale. Hmm. I love the acronym. So let me make sure I understand that. So Revenue Artificial Intelligence Network. Yes. Okay. And the way that you just described it to me, I, I find myself wanting to apply past frameworks to it. So is it is it middleware in your perspective or is that an incorrect analogy? Well, in some ways, yes, right? So it's it could be taking something like um, Boomi or MuleSoft or Inform, uh, Inform, Informatic or any of these integration middlewares, but combining it with AI so that you can train the systems that you have. So even some of the routine mundane tasks can be done uh, quickly, but as it starts to self-learn, you can actually become a lot more productive. So just some typical use cases, lead scoring, which is something that we at Eloqua pioneered back in 2004 for the first time, largely has not changed dramatically. Uh, most of the input for sales and marketing's lead scoring is manually derived. Well, I think we should give 10 points for a website visit or five points if they open up an email or 17 points if they view our demo. And then the models are relatively rigid. And then we send over what are supposed to be qualified leads to scale sales based on this framework, right? So they can prioritize. But with AI, you don't actually need an artificial or an arbitrary model. It, it can actually analyze the real activities, the demographic data that customers really did to come up with a scientific data, factual-based model that will continue to self-learn and even more importantly, become more predictive. Wow. So that's just one example of where AI can play a major role. Um, there isn't a sales or marketing person I know that loves cleaning up data. We love getting more data, but we don't actually like going in and cleaning up fields and systems and building new segments and doing all that. Well, that's another way that AI can actually do that because once you train it on what data standards you want for your company, it can start doing that automatically. Content creation and response. Um, no matter what sales methodology you use in today's modern B2B selling environment, our customers are 90%, 95% of the way through the sales cycle. This is not like it with Greg, when you and I were first learned how to sell and we could control everything. So that inherently puts us at a disadvantage. So if you can use AI to do more informed research on your prospect customer, write better correspondence, come up with better content, come up with unique differentiators, anticipate possible objections your buyer might have and be ready with responses so you can be more proactive, you're now starting to get ahead of the game. Mm. Those are fantastic use cases. It's causing me to creatively think about how to get them uh, implemented. Um, one, I, one I would like to, to speak to you about, a question I have here in my notepad is, you know, selfishly, I'm trying to help the members of Collective 54. I know what you're doing is much bigger than that. But in this particular case, about 85% of a pro-serve uh, income statement, the expenses are labor. Mm -hmm. So if you can replace labor with tech, in theory anyways, you can significantly increase profit margins. Now, some people view that as a negative, you know, and a lot of the stuff you read about AI right now is all these scare tactics, but as a capitalist, I view that as a huge plus. I mean, if my members can take their workforce from 100 to 10 and keep the revenue the same, I mean, they're gonna make a lot more money and scale a lot faster. So 
Is that hype? Is that real? I mean, do you see the tech replacing humans? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, tech doesn't outright replace humans. Um, and it should be noted that when we talk about AI as a general category, AI in its truest sense means artificial intelligence, sentience, self-awareness, emotional awareness. What we're all talking about is this generative AI, ChatGPT, it's not that, it's machine learning. Now, it can take large amounts of data and it can learn quickly and it can process and make decisions, but it's not self-aware. It has no emotional understanding. It doesn't understand context. It doesn't understand nuance. Um, it is still just a tool in the hands of a skilled practitioner. So I view this as the third major generational change since I've been in the workforce. This, the first, of course, being the rise of the internet. The second, the introduction of the smartphone. And now this. Now, when the internet first came out, I mean, look, my first marketing job in college, I, I did catalog marketing in the bank. There was no email, there was no internet, there was no nothing. Did catalog marketing go away? No. Uh, did new digital channels come into play? Yes. So people that were very skilled in direct mail moved over into email and digital channels and developed new skill sets. Uh, when the smartphone came out, it also introduced the whole new apps and mobile advertising and whole new ways of doing things. So I think if you're just doing simple repetitive tasks and that, and you're not willing to adapt, like any other moment in human history, if you don't evolve, sure, you'll get left behind. But in on its face, AI doesn't replace the human. It can't because it's not a human. It can make us a lot more productive. It can make us a lot smarter and it can process things faster. So sure, it will introduce the new margin provided that professional service owners can really think about how to apply it in the best way mm. for their business. So let's talk about some immediate practicalities. Almost all of us in professional services are, are doing research with our clients. We're doing interviews. We have transcripts. We provide some kind of report or presentation back. Well, today that takes a lot of manual activity. It requires our, our senior and junior people to crunch data and do that. Those tasks can be replaced by AI and done in seconds, which will free up more value added time for those professional people to add more quality insights based upon that data back to the client. Mm. Can you use AI to automate the data gathering? So if you're doing a subjective in-person interview today with your client, can you have them just go to a site, they fill out a survey, AI processes all that information in real time, speeds up the discovery period, adds more value? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of different ways that AI can enhance. Okay. But I think it gets a little overhyped to say that it will replace. Okay. So if I'm listening to this, my first thought is I need an AI strategy for my firm. Um, I'm intimidated by that because it's evolving. I mean, just, just in the last 10 minutes, you've dropped more things on me than I knew were possible. And it, that I'm imagining that pace of change is going to continue. So what do I do? I mean, how do I develop a strategy for myself and how do I keep it up to date? Well, try not to make it bigger than it is, right? Because it's going to keep evolving and changing. So if you can appreciate that this is a way of streamlining intake, improving analytical capability, processing, make a list of your business today, like look at your operational things that you do, your sales things, your marketing, and then look at whatever your professional service owner, whether you own an architecture firm, you own a law firm, you own a consulting firm, uh, what are the things that you're delivering to your clients? Go back and look at your SOPs, 
your statements to work and say, okay, if I was going to just add AI to my things, what would that look like? How can I just improve my offering uh, if I was just to AI enable it? Uh, many of us have some type of maturity level, some type of tiered offering with our clients. Could you take your top tier and introduce AI to it for your more advanced? Or conversely, could you introduce AI to your basic tier and make it more palatable for your prospects and clients and thereby lowering your cost uh, of delivery and acquisition? And I would just start there. So build a simple spreadsheet and go through. And that's how you start to frame out a strategy. Um, don't sweat about whether or not you get the right tools or not. Start off with something simple like ChatGPT or BARD, which are conversational and generational. Don't get some, I mean, there are literally, since the time you and I talked about doing this podcast, there's been 500 applications that have hit the market literally within the last month. So, but a lot of them are crap, you know, and a lot of them are just small little widgets. Don't get, don't, fall into that trap of getting consumed. Like you got to go out and buy all this stuff. That's not necessary. Use the free stuff. If you think back to the two previous sea changes of your career, the internet, the smartphone, and now this, what did you, with retrospection now, what did you learn from those two previous major moments that you think you can apply to this moment and allow you therefore to take advantage of this moment, maybe more than you did the previous two? Well, as an investor, I definitely wish I would have bet, it, bet on some of those dot coms, not the ones that went bust, but the ones that <laughs> the ones that really took off. Um, I, you know, I, I think that um, I would have gotten involved sooner and, mm -hmm. and and incorporated it even much faster in the business. Uh, well, the benefit of hindsight, I think, always makes us all more prescient. But in light of that, I, if I reflect back on the earliest part of my career. I did not understand truly what the internet was going to become. I had no, I mean, again, this is, you're talking early nineties, mid nineties yeah. here. There was no Google, no yeah. SEO. We had dial in with AOL. Yeah, no one had any idea. excited to hear that we got mail. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I'm certainly not going to claim, I mean, certainly with a revision, I could be a futurist, but at the time, no, I didn't know. Um, yeah. But I, I think I would have embraced it more yeah. seeing, seeing where it's gone. You know, same thing with a smartphone. I mean, when it first came out, I was, I, I loved my Blackberry like everybody else. I was just like, I, I, I was reluctant to switch over. Um, and what actually got me to do it is a, a good friend of mine, Dave Lewis, owned a rival firm. We were at some conference uh, up in Toronto and he was showing me all the stock prices of his clients, his public clients that he was helping since he got involved on his smartphone. And I thought that was just the coolest thing, you know, and he was basically saying, hey, look, you know, since we got involved, this is what my clients are doing. So I went out and got the phone the next day, had a look back. Um, yeah. But but even then, you know, those first couple of years, you think about us here in the States, we would not even think about using it for banking. I know. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and we're no, I'm not going to have my information out there. I still got to go to the bank like everybody else to deposit my checks. But today, do any of us think twice about just aiming our phone no. somewhere? For those of you that are listening, I'm like aiming my virtual phone here. Um, no, I mean, so it, it's changed, you know, we get, um, uh, and it's proven over and over again, that as consumers, we will trade privacy for convenience. Yeah. So at first, what we're reluctant to, until we realize what were we ever afraid of. So yes, I mean, the concerns out there right now are real and I don't mean, and, and I don't want to minimize it in any way. I mean, there are definitely ethical concerns. There's definitely built in uh, bias to some of these systems and tools. 
but that doesn't mean that they still can't be highly productive. And you just, you know, you exercise with some common sense and some caution, but today's fears will be abated by tomorrow's gains in productivity. And the things that we're going to be able to do because of AI are going to be mind blowing. In fact, just like, I mean, even though I've thought about a lot of things, there are so many things that we haven't even possibly contemplated yet that are going to happen in the next two to five years because of this change in technology. Yeah. And that's the great thing about the human race is our endless ability to create and to innovate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you just think about the health implications and what we're going to be able to do medically because of these tools, I mean, it's amazing. And I, I'm with you. I think the, pro, the pros outweigh the cons tremendously. Okay, well, we're at our time here. So, um, Jeff, thanks for being here. Give us the name of the book again, because by the time this airs, we should be able to buy it. And I'm assuming you're going to sell it on Amazon? You got it. Uh, the AI Revenue Architect. Okay, very good. So I encourage everybody that's listening to this to pick up a copy of that. Uh, Jeff is a qualified author, to say the least, so I'm sure it's well-researched and well-written. A um, couple other things for you. Um, if Obviously, members, you should make sure you attend the Q&A session we'll have with Jeff when that gets scheduled. You can ask your AI-specific questions to him at that point. If you're not a member, of course, I encourage you to do so. Um, go to collective54.com and apply, and one of our reps will get in contact with you. If you want some more content, check out our newsletter, Collective 54 Insights. You can find that on the website. And, of course, our book is called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. You can find that on Amazon. But uh, until next time, I wish you the best of luck as you try to grow, scale, and exit your firm. Take care. Take care.